Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brennan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 85, actually. I didn't know. What is it? it We just did 84 in Oregon, right? Yes, it's, it's 85, 85. Yes. <laughs> I forgot one step. Wait, wait I'm glad we know which episode this is. <laughs> what episode are we on? Oh, I, I got to take these off. But no, I got to keep them on tonight. Rob, just don't deal with the fact that I have used uh, gaffer's tape to fix my glasses. I noticed that. It's very nerdy. <laughs> I'm, going to str- I'm going to strong arm him one of these days and get some super glue and fix it for him properly because... I should. I kind of starting to have this romance feel about the gaffer's I love tape the gaffer's fixing gaffer's my glasses. Yeah. Check it's, out your arm of your chair. So I did some apologies. Today with oh yeah, tape. that that's very nice. Hey, how come mine? Oh, wow. yeah. You could use it actually, mine Brendan. Could use it too. Yeah. Mine and is... and you know it has that nice dull finish, the dull black. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's non-reflective finish. Oh, it's fantastic. Gaffer's tape is the best. This episode brought to you by Gaffer's tape. Thanks, so, Gaffers. welcome to episode <laughs> eighty-five, guys. And like other episodes, we just recently started doing what's new with you. And just a two-minute for both of you guys. What's new with you, Brendan? Oh man, uh, I went to the same spot two days in a row, and that was on the Mount Olympus Trail up by my house. It's literally an eight-minute drive from my place. Wait, is that what you just posted on Instagram you're going to talk about? Yes. I'm going to pull it up That was last night's picture. The night before was okay, and I was expecting the same or similar or maybe, you know, maybe a little bit better the second night. Man, it paid off. Last night was amazing. Man, the colors don't get any justice with this monitor no. over here. But and that's uh, just with my phone camera. So that um, that was my phone taking a picture of my camera. I get a time lapse of 800 images, and then after that, I did another time lapse where I just had it set to aperture priority F8. Really? I was F8 and there. It was awesome. And so I just <laughs> let the camera do the settings. I said ISO 100 got awesome, and then every time it got darker and every few minutes got darker and darker. I got more and more timed exposures. I got six second, eight second, 15 seconds, and 30 second exposures. And the lightning was just going crazy. And the sunset colors were still coming through. Beautiful. It was a fantastic night. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Royce, what was your, what's new with you? Uh, you know, uh, during the weekend, uh, actually Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I was testing out a new Rokinon, new to me anyway. Ooh. I just bought a Rokinon 85 millimeter really? F1.4. Oh. And uh, and I was shooting it mainly at f2, uh, rather mm-hmm. than wide open. Doing some Mars photography, also doing some core of the Milky Way photography, tracking with that. Nice. But uh, you've got in order to uh, shoot at single exposure, you got to go about four seconds, four or five seconds. So yeah, because at f2, you start blowing things out if you go too long, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But I mean, it uh, it the the Earth's rotation uh, will move True. the stars yeah. yes, in true. in about six seconds. So you got to go down to about four seconds. Yeah, ooh, that's yeah. A really I noticed tight. on my fifty millimeter four seconds at f two was like a sweet spot for that. Yeah, yeah. it is. So, but awesome. it, it's an awesome lens. Uh, B and H has it on sale right now for two thirty nine. Oh, so whoa, I mean, what a what a deal! Yeah. These broken on lenses are so inexpensive. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And very good correction on the coma. 
So and it's a newer model. It's a newer version they've come out with. No, or is it, it still no, one they've been making for a it, while. It's, still, it's the one they've been making okay. for a while. Uh, but it's a good lens. Yeah, awesome. Sweet. Well, I'm going to go forego my what's new because I haven't thought about it, and that's the same thing. And I don't <laughs> want to be depressing and just talk about, well, I have a house to sleep in right now. That's what's new is I'm watching someone's dog, a buddy of mine, and I get to live in his house. It's awesome. I'm just – Well, you spent time with your nieces and nephews last place. night. That was – that fun. was awesome. Went out to Incredibles with my niece and nephews. Um, this is through the marriage, so they're accepting me still as the uncle. So that's awesome. <laughs> not the outcast. Yeah, okay. not the ostracized used-to-be uncle. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good news. And I'm still recovering from June. Um, if you're out there listening to this somewhere, Tracy, you're awesome. You have a fantastic contest. The challenge was incredible. She's been having some challenges with everybody doing all of the rules of the contest correctly. And so it's hard to award yeah. a winner because pretty much no one did it right. Someone somewhere did something wrong, and I did something wrong too. Mm -hmm. I mixed up video and image to mean your straight image post on Instagram and your story being video. And so when she mentioned tag your image, I only tagged all my images in the post. I didn't realize I must include the image of back of my camera. She, that was just in the video, so I thought that was covering that rule. Oh. But she wanted an image tagged of all the names. And I didn't tag our stories that story, way yeah. because they were all just video productions that you were watching a story. So I didn't want to overlap anything with those tags and I didn't realize it was part of the rules. So right. I, like many others, dealt with it on June 30th that you probably are disqualified from the contest. And so just the huge challenge of the whole contest and to be in this like mad dash of gathering everything and getting yeah, it out and yeah. finding out I'm disqualified, uh, all the air went out of my balloon when I was done. Then I regathered myself the night before Fourth of the 1st of July, and I got out as many of the stories as I could before midnight. Mm -hmm. And then about 3, 4 a.m., I was still posting the pictures, and I was like, I'm done. I can't do any more. I just got to quit for a while. So and the deadline was July 1st? to get. She moved the deadline back to July 9th to help oh, everyone else okay. out. I pulled myself out of the contest. I didn't want to win. I just wanted to do it for Photog Adventures, and I love Milky Ways. Yeah. So I'm just still getting over the depression of how hard that was and how i'm like out of the contest but i'm still in she's cool with it but uh man how many how many days total were you on the chase 23 all 23 of 23 consecutive days and i haven't had a chance to tell the final stories over the astro photog podcast guys to tell you how the very last day the 23rd day if i went to say the salt flats to do a finale there mm -hmm. i had one minute of full darkness the moon would set <laughs> astro twilight would begin and i'm like oh this is not gonna work all of my pictures have been in full darkness nothing's been in astro twilight so i wasn't gonna just deal with astro twilight so i thought okay well where else can i go and going further southwest you get away from that curve of the astro twilight as it runs across the, the, mm. the sphere of mm -hmm. the old globe and just getting down to Natural Bridges National Monument, I got myself 20 minutes of full darkness. Oh, really? Because yeah. you're down lower, right? So the moon sets earlier kind of thing? The moon was setting around the same time. Right. But because Astro Twilight took that long to creep across the sphere. Oh, so you got yourself yeah. in a... Yeah. Wow, nice. I, I was up in Washington State a month ago, and... Uh, 
even during the maximum part of the new moon, we only had two hours of astronomical dust, you know, because you get so far north. Uh, Two years ago, I was up in Canada, and we never did get any astronomical twilight period. Right, right. (laughs) That's the worst. I hear sad stories from guys on YouTube talking. Uh, comments they're yeah. always saying yeah i'm in canada or i'm in london and, and it's i like, don't have yeah nothing the milky way's gone until august basically right, right. <laughs> it's so hard so we get it we feel it you are a winner in my eyes raymond says <laughs> yes i'm glad i read that one comment it's, i don't think i was biased in finding that one of all of us <laughs> so uh kirk says all that and you didn't win a tripod well, no, I didn't. There were many others that got 23 nights as well. So I apparently, know, it was actually shocking I'm, how many other people actually got all the days. Isn't it? I thought, I'm in a divorce situation. I have no one really waiting for me. I can take off every night. I'm doing this for work. How could I be not the only person in the world who's <laughs> able to do this? And yet... There's crazy guys just like me. There's a handful, maybe a dozen. We should like have a little like... source, a little group, you know, get together with all of the insane people who went 23 nights. Yes, you Ooh. should. should. We should actually host them. Yes. Let's bring them all here. Let's make Tracy pay the bill. and then <laughs> No, can... <laughs> she's awesome. She's not paying the bill, but we're not paying the bill either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's going to pay the bill? Someone here. needs to sponsor this event. <laughs> hmm. hmm. Okay, that's what's new with Bulldog Adventures. (laughs) We'll think about that for a while. Now this is all about Royce Bear, the master. I don't even think we need to introduce you any further. In fact, I can't remember if you introduced only during the patrons or if you had a chance to introduce him now. No, we did. Yeah, You did now. Okay, awesome. Then let's go straight into the Palouse story. I've always known Palouse Falls Hmm. thanks to Nick Page. Many of you out there know Palouse Falls thanks to him. Well, how was it? When did you go? What was it like? I went with uh, three friends, and uh, we did, you know, kind of a private thing. And it was uh, around June, June 11th through the 15th, and uh, mm-hmm. we had a great time. Now, we did a daytime photography as well as nighttime photography, but uh, uh, mainly we were there to photograph, you know, those beautiful barns, Uh, Mm. A lot of these barns are over 100 years old, and some of them keep them in pretty good shape. Uh, I went there three days early just to go around and get permissions. Oh, uh, that's a good idea. So, so, you know, with all the uh, property owners, uh, that was a lot of fun. People Mm. were very kind, and uh, and it was a great experience. But uh, we had a couple of barns that... Uh, I didn't realize that there were some yard lights hidden around the corner, and they came on, and we weren't able to use those barns because these mercury vapor lights were just, you know, they would just wipe out the barns. Now, mercury vapor, I know what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you got uh, sodium, sodium vapor. Is more yeah. like a yellow. What's Mer- mercury? Mercury look? vapor is a blue green. It is a blue oh. and green. Maybe yeah. that's what they have over at the Fantasy over Canyon. Over by I think. Fantasy Canyon, there are these yeah. blue green lights. It yeah. came out in the fifties, and uh, uh, during the early sixties, the power companies were saying that every farmer should have one of these yard lights and. In their yard for security purposes, and uh, <laughs> oh, gee, <laughs> but uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, one of the things we did on one of the nights was to travel uh, about 50, 60 miles from the 
Palouse area over to Palouse Falls, which uh, just be, which goes over a falls just before uh, several miles before it dumps into the Snake River, eventually. Mm. And that area is quite dark and doesn't have some of the light pollution that you have around Pullman, Palouse, uh, Colfax, and some of those other small small towns. I've looked at the map in that area, and I didn't think that they'd be much, but they are a good bloom still. Yeah, there's quite a bit. You know, you've got Lewiston, Idaho, and Pullman. Uh, Pullman is, uh, you know, college town. It's over 30,000. Oh, yeah. Mm. So it it produces quite a bit Mm. of light pollution. But over in the Palouse Falls State Park, uh, it's it's very dark Mm. and a great spot. Uh, you've got to get a camping permit in order, which costs twelve bucks, okay, in okay. order to stay there after the sunset. It's kind of what so Valley's been doing lately yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, so you have to go there earlier in the day and get a camping permit, which is twelve bucks isn't bad, and you can have up no. to eight people in your site. Oh, uh, that's good. Extra vehicles are ten bucks each, but the problem is there's only seven or eight camping sites. And Do if you, you don't get if you don't get one of those, wait, what? Yeah. really? Okay, I'm interrupting you, but because Ooh. I'm surprised so much. Yeah, there's only about uh, eight camping sites, and if you don't get one of those camping parts, legally you can't stay over after the sunset. You, but you, okay, they do this at Goblin Valley as well, where you pay for the camping permit. Yeah, but mm. they know you're not using a spot, and you don't. It's not required that there be any open spots for you to get one. But they do that at Palouse Falls. Yeah, you you're do. There has to be an open spot. And so it's kind of crazy. It's so $150 it fine yeah. if a really? uh, park ranger catches you without the proper permits. Oh, man. I wonder what's been going on there that they have to be so stingy. Mm. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we got uh, I got the permits, and then uh, we, we set, I set up um, uh, low-level lighting. Mm. And uh, we're use, I'm this? using the... Um, uh, the light panels, the F and V Z ninety six light mm-hmm. panels, mm-hmm. and uh, we're sh- we're lighting from a distance of nine hundred feet to the falls. Oh, so we're so looking from the, at the picture here, and you have one light. I actually had two light. One is feathered to the left of the falls. One's feathered to the right of the falls. Nice. It's important to uh, like this is uh, basalt. You know, igneous basalt, which is very brown, blackish rock, mm-hmm. and it just sucks up the light. So, I've the the main key light going to the left of the feather to the left of the falls is at full power, 900 mm-hmm. feet away. The other one is feathered to the right; it's at 60 percent. Okay. And of course, those are on during the whole time of the exposure, about 20 second exposures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could have done a, one single exposure, but uh, most of us did a stack, oh, okay. you know, of six, seven, eight shots. Mm-hmm. And that's what this shot is. It's a stack of eight exposures. 
Uh, now, I went around ahead of time before we started and found as many photographers as I could. And uh, there were a total of 10 photographers around there. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, with the eight this gets pretty popular. And people didn't have all the spots then because I guess they already filled up the campsites. Yeah. So a lot of well, some of them were there the with permits and some of them there <laughs> without permits. Yeah. Uh, I won't say who, but uh, we but had our permits. So... Uh, I went around asking the photographers beforehand, is it okay if we, uh, you know, do low-level lighting? Do you know what that is, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there were two photographers that I didn't know about that are over by the parking lot. And uh, mm. I don't know why anybody would be shooting that falls from the parking lot because they're pointing their cameras to the east, and the Milky Way is in the south by southeast mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. area, almost uh, almost south. Mm -hmm. And you have to get up around on a ledge in order to align the falls and the Milky Way together, right, right. which is you know facing almost due south. And so they they weren't obviously weren't getting the Milky Way in their picture. And uh, so I kind of upset them. They they were not too happy. So they came over where we were, and uh, they were happy uh, eventually. So what but, made them mostly okay. upset, that they couldn't see the Milky Way because your lights were blocking a bit well, of it? Well, because the, the, one of the two lights was oh. feathered towards them. Towards them. <laughs> and oh, not gotcha. too good. So them and, and, but I did not know that they were there and had not contacted them beforehand. Mm. The other photographers were very happy with the situation <laughs> because bet. it's a group thing. Once you get the lights set up, you can shoot to your heart's content. Oh, you yeah. can do time lapses. You can do panoramas. You can do static. Nothing's changing about the light. Yeah, it's great. Changing. Yeah, that's fantastic. So then, knowing this area is kind of a large space, and looking at yeah, it's the a, gap it's here, a big bowl. Are you going full blast on any of them? On the lights? Yeah. Yeah. the The key light that's feathered to the left is uh, on full blast. <clears throat> Excuse me. That those lights put out eight hundred lux at one meter, but at nine hundred mm. feet, they're only point zero two lux oh my gosh i yeah. don't do any of which that which is math, and I uh, work with my about <laughs> quarter it, it's about what you get from the quarter moon illumination so it's perfect oh, so it's low level lighting at the uh at the foreground mm. but of course one meter away from the light it's 800 lux <laughs> right so you know if you're looking right at the light and you're right up close it's certainly not low level right mm -hmm. and this is about the max we're maxed out 900 feet is about the furthest these uh, panel lights will go unless you get bigger ones mm -hmm. so anyway i i know the the capacity <laughs> of, of those lights and i yeah. knew that we could do it so and the other light is at 60 percent. it's feathered to the right to get more of the illumination uh, yes in that area over here on uh -huh. the right of the cliff wall so yeah. basically mm. when you first tried it with the light did you do both right away or did you try one and notice a shadow and fix it with the oh secondary? no no i i had it right the first right off the bat i've had oh, enough nice. experience but what's Interesting, we're shooting about 10 minutes into this, and all of a sudden, the fill light on the right goes away. <laughs> yeah. I'm going, what's happened? I've never seen, you know, because I've got these big um, 
uh, batteries, these NP, oh, uh, yeah. right. the Sony batteries, brick. the brick batteries <laughs> on the back. So the things will last about six hours. Right. But all of a sudden, one goes off, the one on the right that's feathered to the right. And uh, I thought, what in the heck is going on? So I walked over there, and it shut down and put off to the side. One of the two photographers that was oh. over in the parking lot <laughs> came over, shut off the light because it was shining in into their cameras <laughs> yeah. and decided to set up where the light was and said, oh, you know, I kind of like this. <laughs> he wasn't too mad anymore. He set up there for his camera. <laughs> yeah. said, I like what it's doing on the fall. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, uh, why did you shut off my, well, it was shining in my uh, camera. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were over there. Yeah, I didn't like that. And I said, gee, I'm sorry. Um can I set up my light just to the right of you? And because uh, we need to fill in this area, he says, "Yeah, that'd be fine." <laughs> so it didn't come to a tripod battle to the death. <laughs> no, no, we, we tried to be amiable, so <laughs> it, that worked out great. But uh, boy, I was wondering, I, do I have equipment of failure here? Right, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. I've never had a light go out. We went down just barely. I don't know if you've heard the podcast where we went down into the area of Cook's Chasm by Thor's Well, and we lit it up on the trail with our light, and then mm-hmm. it turned off in the middle of it. And this thing, we got so used to it always having battery that we stopped wondering whether it was low. And it finally used up. We finally used up the whole thing, and I had to run all the way to the back up. Luckily, I had a camera battery with me, but then I had to go back to the light, hook it on, <laughs> and Brendan had it up like 16 feet in the air, balanced on grass and at that point we never could get it to stand up again and we had to try a completely different way remember when yeah we, we just ended up using the concrete after that yeah, yeah we had to give up on what you had set up was working and then we couldn't get it to balance again on that light stand but yeah you really got to carry those with you and they're really heavy and so i'm just just glad i had two of them on me yeah it's yeah. yeah. never going to happen most of the time Right. So love those lights. And looking at the picture, if you guys haven't seen the link that I posted below, you can see the picture we're talking about. Um, This area is a giant opening cliff face, and you're saying 900 feet to the cliff wall on the far opposite side that you were lighting. And then you guys set up. Did you have you ever shot anything 900 feet away when you do, say, Capitol Reef and you're out there with the Temple of the Moon and the Sun? Do you end up having the light that far away from uh, those? Usually those are six, 700 feet away. I've done s- things that are over, uh, a qu- over a mile away. Really? Yeah. But yeah. different kind of light, obviously. But different kind of oh, light. Yeah. Is that yeah. in your book, the big giant handheld spotlight? Yeah, in mm. 18 <laughs> uh, million candle power. <laughs> <laughs> and that was down the in the Trump monument. Candle. Down in the Monument Valley area, and we had to get permission from the people that live around that area Ooh. to use those lights. Mm-hmm. I had to go around and get signatures from <laughs> really? people well, that's from, good from the natives. Do. Yeah. Oh my God! And how Cause, many? Because this was at Agalith uh, Peak. Okay. And uh, and we had to get uh, three signatures from. Uh, homeowners around there. There are people that actually live around that area. <laughs> right, right. It's it's a little bit different in the Navajo Nation. Yeah, right. I bet. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's not like our national parks. They, mm-hmm. they they have a different system. That's fair enough. Pay, That's crazy. pay me and I'll do most anything. <laughs> so you got a few signatures with a few uh, Jeffersons. Yeah, yes. I don't even yes. know what that is. What is <laughs> yeah. that denomination of money anyway? At Jefferson is that twenty? No, it's Alexander. But they're great. The Hamiltons, man. It's all about the Hamiltons. <laughs> yeah, baby. All about the Hamiltons. <laughs> <laughs> but we were actually outside the park boundaries, so we didn't have to have a guide in that area. If you're actually in the 
park boundaries, mm. uh, the Navajo Nation park boundaries of Monument Valley, you do have to have a guide that is certified by the Navajo Nation. To be out mm. at night? Uh-huh. So when you arrive at night, like Brenda and I have done, and just pulled up there and looked at the two hand rocks, um, we didn't have anyone with us, and we didn't even think to ask. We just took a couple of pictures, and it never turned out any... I didn't think we got yeah, anything. If you're right up there, you know, by the uh, by the, the hotel, hotel yeah. you're, you're no problem. But to okay. drive down into the valley after sunset, you you have to have a guide. Oh, that's good to know. We yeah. were not even a block off of the parking right. lot, really. We just yeah. yeah. I went down there uh, before sunrise one time. And uh, many years ago, and really got chewed chewed up by <laughs> by some Navajo people. They said, "You don't have a guide with you." Yeah, I had a guide with me last night, but not, well, you're not supposed to be here before sunrise. Oh, yeah, without a guide. So from sunrise to sunset, it's okay, but beyond that, you need guides. That's correct. I didn't mm-hmm. know that a Monument Valley. Interesting. Yeah. And it can be about 150 bucks an hour. Or more, depending on how many people are in your group. Yeah, you're going to do a quick Milky Way that night. <laughs> oh, my gads. <laughs> and if it's not turning out, that's an expensive not turning out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, okay, thanks, guys, for joining us for the first segment of the podcast. We had a chance to talk with Royce about his low-level lighting of Palouse Falls. We're going to go ahead and take our first break and come back and make this about your questions for Royce Bear. So think about your questions. Hit us up here on the comments. I'll also look here on the previous note of where I mentioned that this would be going live. We'll see your comments there and just hit us up with questions and we'll go from there. Wonderful. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We are here with Royce Bear, our hero. Luckily, we get to be with him again, and we didn't get to mention the first segment, so let's start there real quickly mm-hmm. while I gather the questions. But low level lighting in national parks, it's allowed. Universally, where? It's allowed in most national parks, uh, and they actually use the term low-level lighting (laughs) instead of light painting. Light painting is not allowed in some of the national parks, with the exception of Grand Teton. Grand Teton does not allow any artificial lighting at Mm. all right now. Okay. And that's really? that's the superintendent says that that is a wildlife issue, you know. Uh, I guess headlights, you know, are are not a problem. Yeah, because <laughs> there are uh, lots of headlights driving through there the are. middle of the park. It's a big road going all the way through it. Yeah, years that's ago they they lowered the uh, speed limit to forty five miles per hour in the evening mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the park. Yeah, we yeah. discovered that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And and for we good reason. We got pulled over for that, didn't we? Yes, yeah. we did. For good reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Being able to going ten miles an hour less dropped the kill rate on the like Highway ninety one oh. in half. Well, really? Smart. Of the yeah, animal, the livestock, the elk, right? The elk, the elk and the deer. Yeah. And the, elk wow. and deer. Yeah. Well, you can't you can't dispute those results, right? So no, you can't. Uh, you know, I've been driving through the park at night going 45 miles an hour with the high beams on and, uh, you know, a six-point bull standing in the middle of the uh, road as you come around a corner. Uh, You know, if you're going 45, uh, you you have a better chance of uh, stopping before you collide. Right. Hmm. 
Wow. All silent. Yeah. Ooh, that's not be silent. silent. (laughs) What's our subject? I feel that burden of it's pretty much on me. Once it gets to a dull moment, it's like, boom, Aaron, go, 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 go. And I was doing something else, so I wasn't available. So So, let's start off with our first question. We got a question here from, oh, it just just moved on me. It scrolled away. So let's go to what Seth Christensen says. What is the best way to get the Milky Way core bright in shots without it looking too processed? You know, the, I shot some some uh, shots just last week. And uh, if, you, if you use a, um, a modified sensor, you know, what you can get done at places like Clarence Spencer camera. Something like mm-hmm. this one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, either the uh, Alpha H or the full spectrum, uh, man, the full spectrum is way cool. I mean, you, you don't even have to do hardly any processing at all. And you get all, almost a two-stop gain in sensitivity. Ooh. Now, this isn't the crazy process, uh, the modified where it shows all the greens and changes. This is a different... Yeah, this is an Alpha H, which Alpha just uh, brings up the the nebulosity a full spectrum would be able to give you even more the uh-huh. uh, uh you do have to get the a custom color balance when using one of these uh sensors mm. you know modified sensors but uh you don't have to do a heck of a lot of processing wow. interesting when you say you don't do a lot of processing are you say that your Milky Way core is just standing out away from everything else already on its own, or it's it just... It does. It. I find that it stands out uh, quite a bit more than uh, just a regular sensor exposure. Mm. All right. Yeah. So that's my experience anyway. The shot that you've pulled mm. up just there was shot during a quarter moon. So the quarter moon is to the right at right angles to these trees and it's uh, uh, about an hour away from setting and uh, you know the old I mean the rule is not to have the moon in you know glowing while you're in a, a Milky Way exposure right but let me tell you if you if you're only about an hour from rise an hour after rising or an hour before setting, and it's at right angles to your subject, uh, you can go as much as a quarter moon, you know, crescent to quarter moon, and uh, it's not, it does lower the contrast, and you're gonna have to do a little bit more post-processing to bring that up contrast with, uh, you know, an S-curve in Photoshop or Lightroom, but, uh, it it lights the foreground for you, mm-hmm. so you don't have to do, uh, you know, low level lighting. I mean, it's nature's coolest right. low right. level lighting. Right. Oh yeah, light. exactly. It really is because you get everything. Everything's lit up. It's yeah. high in the sky, so you get that really great light coming from all over, and you don't get the crazy shadowy spots like with a limited, you know, smaller That's light. That's right. It's lighting everything. Yeah. You know, so, except that there are mountains in the way. Right. So we it. experienced that at Picket Post in Phoenix when the moon was starting to set, and it was about a quarter, maybe a little bit less than quarter moon, and people got some fantastic foreground shots, 
with that because we had big, big cactus and the big mountain and everything and man the moon just lit it up perfectly before the milky way rose yeah and i and my rule of thumb is to use you know try not to go more than a quarter of moon but some of my friends have actually shot with a full moon almost a full moon as it's just as it's rising or setting okay so it's really because you're shooting through a lot of atmosphere (laughs) oh yeah and so it's dimmed down quite a bit well Mm. that's interesting timing i've never tried doing it when the moon is rising because i know i can see the blue light changing everything but the clarity on the milky way core it's probably there for a little bit yeah so that's yeah, interesting. Few minutes of but but the question was, you know, how can we get the, yes. that clarity, uh, you know, the Milky Way core without a lot of processing? Well, <laughs> the best way is to get away from light pollution yeah. as much as possible. You know, perfect uh, conditions, low humidity. If you get low humidity, very dark areas, uh, you're going to have more contrast and get... Um, and not have to do as much processing. So th- this other shot that you saw here just a few minutes oh, ago I too many uh, that I shot f- uh, Thursday, late Thursday evening oh, up I've in the high Uintas, I mean, I I had to do very little post-processing on this that. This guy, one. right? Uh-huh, mm. yeah. And part of it was because of that modified sen- sensor, but mainly because... Uh, of the beautiful conditions. I mean, we're in an altitude of 10,500 feet. For those in Europe, that's 3,200 meters. Right. So that, uh, you know, anytime you have perfect conditions like that, you get great clarity. Now, I still, you know, I still had to do some post-processing, but not much. The main thing I did here in post-processing was I stacked the images. And there was five or six shots that I stacked in that picture. And here's the big problem. Anytime you have trees, uh, not that image, but the other image. Yeah, I keep trying to copy and paste from oh, my yeah. <laughs> other computer, and I end up copying and pasting over the picture. But anytime and then... you have stars close to trees and bushes, and uh, you have stars coming through the branches, Sequator mm. uh, and especially Starry Landscape Stacker is going to have a rough time. Yeah, uh, because it has to create. It has a hard problem defining where the foreground is. Yeah, because it's hard to mask out. It is hard to mask out the foreground, but then and if we have some yeah. time later uh, in the segment in the next. Segment. We would love it. I'll tell you how to how to work with that and overcome that problem. But we better stick on subject. Let's right go now. with this yeah. other question then, because it'd be great to come back to this and give it some real attention instead of just going over it quickly. So let's go to the rest of the question that lost uh, Murray that Seth had for us, because he's trying to avoid being too processed. Mm-hmm. And I think you answered the question that basically start almost like with anything. Get it in camera right, and you won't have to process it too much good, to bring good it. Right, exposures, right. Good exposures, uh, good, you know, get the proper gamma right. Get it at least one-third. If you get your your exposure, your histogram, one-third away from the left side and approximately two-thirds away from the right side. In other words, your bell curve is one-third from the 
from the left side and two-thirds from the right. Uh, that, that's a proper exposure. Okay. Yeah, and I actually thought I have that on here. I'll have to share it with him, but let's ask his other question. His question, his second one was, he's currently shooting on a D7100 with a Sigma uh, 18 to 35. Sorry, I bumped that. 18 to 35 F1.8 art without a tracker. And he's wondering, where would you recommend I start my ISO for a good Milky Way exposure without too much noise, you know, considering mm. he's probably wide open at 18. Yeah, is his, uh, he's an 18 to 35. Is it a 2.8 lens? It's an F1.8. F1.8? That's the claim. He might have it wrong. Woo! Maybe that is an F. I don't know that lens myself. Do you guys yeah. know if that's a 1.8 possible? Did he and have a title? New Sigma? It's a new Sigma. Sigma. If it's a brand new Sigma, is it an it's art? possible. It, might it be is an art. art. Yeah. He said art. It, wow. That's okay, if he can go F1.8, then I'd go 3,200. Here's that histogram you were talking about. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So if you guys are seeing this on the live feed, if you're listening to this podcast, you go back to our Facebook page and watch this later. But uh, basically, this midpoint, you're bringing your exposure all the way over, and you're going to see a big old peak at the beginning of all your dark foreground. If you don't have anything light painted, you'll have a lot, lot more of this because everything's black. Then you have a gap between the black and the Milky Way tones, and all those kind of come through here on this hump. And you want to get this exposure towards the midpoint as much as you can and get separation between these two sections. Yeah, so the... The highlights there should be just touching the midpoint or going past it. So you're in that one-third area, two-thirds to the right. Mm. And that way you don't blow out your stars yeah. as much. Mm -hmm. You'll have mm -hmm. a section of the Milky Way core that you'll get used to seeing when you're processing your pictures where you always will blow them out. It's just in the northern hemisphere, it's underneath. And you'll see yeah. that little section where it's just a smudge of white if you've overexposed it. If not, you'll yeah. see it like Brendan's image, which is... Not on that wall over there, but he has an awesome 50 millimeter 1.2 or mm -hmm. was it an F 1.2 at the time? Yeah, 1.2, yeah. And it just take a great, great shot of exposing that section of the Milky Way core where it was like sand granules instead of a, a smudge of white. It's just so much more fantastic when you don't overexpose that yeah. section. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. But I uh, he's shooting with the Nikon 7100, right? He's got the Nikon mm -hmm. 7100 using that Sigma art lens that's 18 yeah. to 35. Now, the 7100 is an APS-C. It's mm -hmm. a drop sensor. True. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think shooting at 1.8, he should be able to go ISO 3200. But if he's worried about any elliptical stars or any star trailing and he wants to get that really sharp he could even go up to 6400 ISO or around 5000 and under and uh, go shorter exposures you know keep it around 15 seconds and mm -hmm. uh, so that he doesn't get star trailing and even at 15 seconds the stars are going to be a little elliptical but uh, and then do a whole bunch of stacking exposures, and you'll be amazed uh, how much noise that'll reduce. Absolutely okay. true. But if he's doing just one exposure, then I'd go ISO 3200. If he's going to stack, he could go as high as 6400. I wouldn't go any higher than 6400 with that sensor, mm -hmm. that camera. Right on. So just to continue that topic while I have the picture up, this is Brendan's shot with the 50 millimeter. It's a pano, and so there's lots of resolution here. And this is a compressed version JPEG, too, so it's not even as good as it can be. Mm. But this yeah. section right here, if you guys can see in the live feed, this is where you can blow it out. 
it's just really, really bright. And these stars, and when you zoom in on Brendan's image, you can see it. You still got detail. Detail, texture, it's amazing. And if I go up to something that maybe wasn't taken with as much care off of, I think, yeah, this is a good example, because this is not with a 50 millimeter. Un you can see that he didn't overexpose it too much, but it just doesn't have quite the granular subject. This doesn't have that quite of that nice texture that he had in the other one. And I'm just kind of guiding through these pictures, and I won't yeah. jump around. Oh, is that my blindly. is that my moonrise art shot? That was your moonrise art. Oh, shot. Was a different lens too. So different you lens. It's a Tamron. You can see a difference. Yeah. If you're having trouble blowing out your your stars and in your core, uh, and your exposure is already taken, you can go into Arc ACR, you know, Adobe Camera Raw. Oh, I see. And slide the highlights slider to the left just a little bit. Go, go from zero over to about 50, and uh, that will lower your contrast a little bit. It'll bring detail back into those stars mm -hmm. and into the core. That's absolutely been my habit with mm -hmm. most of my exposures is I'll bring that highlight slider down. That's yeah. awesome. Let's go on to the next question so we can get through everybody's questions that are coming oh through. Do it. So, so real quick, do you have a preference of a star tracker, Ioptron versus Skywatch Star Adventurer? Or Sky uh, Adventure. I don't use the. I don't own the Star, the Star Watcher Sky Adventure, but that's the one that uh, I prefer. I have an old tracker that I bought about f six years ago, and uh, it only has a six pound payload, six and a half pound payload capacity, and I'm maxing it out right now, <laughs> and uh, it's it's eventually going to break down. Whereas the Star Adventure uh, is over 11 and a half pounds payload. Oh, wow. And it's built very solidly. And for the money, I think it's only like 329 or something like that. And you can get so many accessories like counterbalances and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So uh, it's a little more complicated to set up, but it, it's worth it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Sweet. That's what Eric Benedetti recommends as well. So we can yes. say that for you. That's for sure. Uh, I lost my place. Here we are with Matt Newman. How do you like standing on that cliff, Royce? Over oh, boy. <laughs> oh, that is scary. You know, I was shooting with a 15 millimeter lens, which, you know, is an ultra wide. So in order to not to get the foreground in the picture down by the tripod legs, because I'm above the falls kind of shooting down. Ooh. So I had to point the camera down a little mm. bit. And uh, well, at least actually have it leveled. Right, right. But uh, so instead of pointing up like you normally do, I'm pointing a little bit more level there at Palouse Falls. And so you got to bring that that tripod leg, the one of the three tripod legs, clear to the edge. I mean, I'm within really like three inches from the edge of the cliff, and you know it's. Except for my low-level lighting, which after about 20 minutes, you can actually see the falls in the area with that low-level lighting. And, uh, I mean, it's so dark that you make one false move. I mean, it's like, what, there you a 300-foot <laughs> drop? I don't Ooh. know, but that seems enough for me. <laughs> yeah. it, it is scary. Yes, it was scary. <laughs> Sounds like the kind, of, kind of situation I put myself in all the time. Yeah. yeah, that's where yes, I asked keys. <laughs> and, and I've got I've got three friends that I tried to position into good places, and I gave them. Uh, I thought I gave them the better places. I took the after mm. effect, 
And uh, so it it was... No it was, lives lost uh, that night, at least. Yeah, it was pretty scary. You know, there were other photographers... Uh, there were t- two other photographers that were using uh, high-power, focusable flashlights. You know, the blue LEDs, mm. very bright. They were light-painting the falls. You know, they're not light-painting the rocks. They're light-painting just the falls. I mean, that's akin to lighting a snowman in a coal mine <laughs> right i mean that their pictures were probably the falls were probably just totally blown out setting in a sea of blackness <laughs> yeah i mean mm. it, it's ridiculous <laughs> i love low level I'm so lighting glad i don't have to do that anymore <laughs> i know just don't even think <laughs> about it <laughs> yeah it's so much better i carry that d20 25 clicky or whatever i had in the old days i just i just carry it with me for fun but i never use it for anything anymore yeah. Yeah. so he says it was probably his most uncomfortable he's ever been on a night shoot just, wow oh. you know i i can relate to that let's commiserate together <laughs> you and matt you guys know <laughs> so nicole Zhu was wondering about any lens that you've tested um i, I had a comment up here and i just lost it let's see if i can find it right here She's curious if you tested the Sigma 20 millimeter, the 24, or the 35 for Astro. Tried any of those Sigma lenses? Uh, I have not personally tested those, but I have friends who've tested them and uh, pretty darn good. All of the Sigma art lenses, uh, I can just almost without reservation highly recommend. Awesome. And, I, and they're I mean, built like the battleships. I can attest the 14 millimeter. It was literally twice as big as a Canon 14 millimeter. Yeah. The front element was just massive. So yeah. yeah. But the solidly built, uh, low, everyone that I have tested has been very low coma, uh, super sharp. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 35, the Sigma 35 millimeter F1.4, in my opinion, is twice as sharp as the Rokinon 24 millimeter f1.5 or 35 millimeter so right i wouldn't be surprised and the price tag is going to show in that too yeah i mean what you're talking 900 dollars versus 550 right that's the thing that she's commiserate that she's frustrated over is that she keeps trying to get a good roken on copy and the 24 millimeter she keeps buying and she's not liking any of them they're just soft yeah Mm. and that's the same experience i my first 24 millimeter Rokinon F1.4 was sharp as a tack. And then uh, I had, I kicked my tripod over oh. and it fell on the front element. Oh. It did have a lens shade on it. It didn't, uh. it didn't, didn't hurt the element, but it busted the lens mount right off the bayonet mount so the bayonet part was still in the camera and the lens is lying (laughs) to the side of it so i went and bought a new a new 550 dollar 24 millimeter f1.4 rokinon and it wasn't nearly as sharp as my first one so their quality control issues on their original Mm. many of their original lenses has not been good it's getting better now, but uh, some of the early ones. I heard uh, a lot of complaints about that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So maybe mine control. came during that window when it was going really well. Yeah, because mine yeah, haven't had any problems. Yeah, with my it. first one was just sharp as a tack, low coma. Second one is still low coma, but not nearly as sharp. 
Oh boy! I wonder what happened okay. to the factory if some guy retired, <laughs> you know, and then and then they had some other guy come in and he's just not as good as that you know, <laughs> he's the like, old guy. I don't care. So Rhonda <laughs> Pierce, she mentions going to Alaska. Have you been to Alaska enough for yes. Astro? Okay, awesome. She says she is going to have a chance to be out there in August. She has a couple of days to explore around Anchorage and the southern part of the Denali National Park. Do you have any suggestions for areas to explore for Milky Way photography? Mm. Well, bring a lot of mosquito repellent. This is in August, right? Yeah. So it's not as bad in August as it is in July. But in Mm. order to really kill the mosquitoes, you have to be there first part of September or latter part of of August. Uh, Keep in mind that if you're doing some astrophotography, you're going to be shooting in the uh, uh, nautical twilight. I mean, they're... Um, it never gets pure uh, astro dusk. Well, in in August, it gets close. Yeah, it's got to get some darkness. I don't have my iPad here, Ron, to test myself. But you're so far north there that uh, you're still going to have some twilight in your pictures. But Mm. that twilight makes for great foreground exposure. That's true. You get good foreground detail. It's just that your Milky Way isn't as rich and contrasty. Uh, as it could be. Gotcha. Awesome. Thanks for that. Let's go on to Jerry's question. He goes, hey, Royce, if you were to carry only the LED panels like the F&V Z96 for a multiple night shoot, how many of those lights would you carry with you? Uh, I always carry three, but rarely do I use more than two. Okay. You have three, Mm -hmm. but you only use two. Most of the time. Occasionally I can get by with one, but it's nice to have that second one as a fill light or to light the other side. Right. Uh, sometimes you just don't have enough coverage without having at least two. But mm. I carry three, but I rarely use uh, only two, sometimes even one. If you feather one light and bring it back far enough, uh, you know, you can do just one. And that was the key to this shot, is to having that light far enough back that it did some evenness. That's the things we found mm-hmm. with the newer. The newer is very inexpensive compared to the FNV light, but we can then dim the FNV light much more, and it handles distance much better. Yeah. And yeah. so the newer is cheaper, more, but yeah. man. I'm looking, Rhonda, at just the astronomical table here, just kind of looking at how it is in Planner. And if I scroll around, you can see how that curve goes. So if you have photo pills, just go into Planner and check your date and time because you can see how Anchorage gets full darkness a little bit right now and well no this is august 27 2019 so i in august you can get some full darkness there but it's not a very long period so mm. just double check your photo pills app or plan it whatever you like to use so you can see it really quickly there even yeah. if you want to just check yeah. it in the moon even if pill. you only have 30 minutes of uh, astronomical that's dusk, enough, yeah. it's, there and it's there, enough. Yeah, and be ready yeah just sweet be ready so here's another question. How would, would you recommend, they heard us talking about the Astro Modified Lens. Let me pull up that picture on here for the live feed. Uh, not this one. I still have the wrong one. Oh, here's the Astro Modified. This one's uh-huh. Astro Alpha. Oh, sorry. This one's Alpha H. Right. She's saying, would you recommend the full spectrum modified one or just the Alpha H? Well, it depends on what you want. The uh, Alpha H will give you great nebula- nebulosity. I mean, look at the nebulosity up here. Yeah. And... Uh, you can even see it down here in the rhino complex coming through the trees. Uh, if you go online, you can see that. Mm. So, and it, it doesn't, it, um, you can correct the light 
if you're doing any uh, artificial lighting, low-level lighting, it's easier to mix that. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, and it's easier to work with. I find it easier to, to work with than the full spectrum. But the full spectrum gives you so much more variety. For mm -hmm. one thing, it gives you al almost two stops lower ISO. What you would normally shoot at ISO 6400, you can go 1600 really? with the full oh. spectrum. And you only get about... <laughs> Maybe I'll do the Mark III when I retire it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, it, it's a little harder to color balance and get the colors right. Oh, but if And also, if you'd like to do infrared uh, photography in the daytime, right. all you right. have to do is put a filter on in the daytime, and you get that beautiful white foliage, that fairyland, ethereal <laughs> look. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so cool. So the full spectrum... Uh, has many more advantages than the Alpha mm. H. But uh, this was my first foray into that, and I told Clarence, I said, hey Sorry, guys. I, th I, I think I want to go with the uh, Alpha H to start with, and, it, and I've been very happy with it. I'm going to modify another body uh, probably next year, and it will be full spectrum. So you have an Alpha H right now, and you're going to also get a full spectrum. You bet. Here's for those of you on live. I'm pull up YouTube just so that I can show you what's going on here with Clarence Spencer. He's talking about his modifications that he's done, and he's showing you the examples right here. And I just coincidentally, luckily, happened to be here on this video right when yeah. he's talking. Perfect. And he's going to show this slide here in a second because I wanted to, this is my one chance to show Clarence's face for a while. I think because we were constantly looking at his pictures, mm. and so I went long on this cut. But it's going to show you the alpha modified and the unmodified modified version and then you also see I think a full modification. Do you think this is alpha modified canon? No, this is the yeah, this is the I think this is the full spectrum. The full spectrum yeah, version. Yeah. Okay, where are two, my right? frames? Yeah. Now if you go on his uh, Instagram feed, he's got some neat pictures on there, albeit they're small, you know, Instagram is not too go. big. Full spectrum versus alpha H. Yeah. So I'm looking at it just myself, uh it was the question that came from Nicole. Looking at the full spectrum versus the visible H-alpha filter, I mean, you're seeing bioluminescence weirdness in the water. And I don't know if it is bioluminescence as much as it is just Yeah, it's just that weird coloring. There. Yeah, uh -huh. it looks... It looks bioluminescence, awesome. but it's, <laughs> it's just that weird coloring. So the full spectrum is a little harder to balance, uh, but, boy... Uh, now, this Milky Way looks a little overexposed compared to this one. True. Uh, but that's just uh, the exposure here. I mean, you can underexpose this, and it'll just pop it up. So uh, I like the uh, H-Alpha uh, a little better for some of the colors. Yeah, it looks but, nice. Yeah. But, boy, if you're worried about noise and cutting through the haze and whatnot, the uh, and this one's got clouds. You can see there's mm -hmm. cloud the clouds are really in the way there. Shot. Yeah, uh, the full spectrum is the the better the better way to go. Hmm. It, Having camera for each and just try it out. Yeah, but I personally prefer the H alpha for some of the more natural looking, and I love the nebulosity that it gives. Hmm. Uh, you know, it takes those hydrogen gases, and you can really see that magenta red. <laughs> and, of course, you can see the same thing with the full spectrum. 
but it's a little harder to color balance. I can imagine. So if you guys are seeing this in the live video or you're hearing this on the podcast later, just go to our Creating Natural Nightscapes with Royce Bear and Friends, that Milky Way photography video you can find on our YouTube channel, and go to our one hour and 13 minutes. It's when Clarence Spencer is talking, and he shows some of these pictures, and you can see them nice and big on your screen there. So go to Creating Natural Nightscape with Royce Bear. That video, fast forward to one hour and 13 minutes, and you'll find it. Yeah. His website really has a lot of comparisons. To oh, yeah. Go to Spencer's Cameras. What yeah. is his website? Because I recommend going with Spencer. I think with it's Clarence. just www.spencerscamera. Spencer's with two S's in the uh, beginning and the end. Yeah. Cameras.com. And, oh, that's not it. Spencer's Cameras. We're going to put it up in the show notes. Now, Clarence is actually on the live feed, so hopefully he'll be able to post his link there. And Spencer's Camera. I put the cameras. So he's got some good examples here, what you can do. Like, I'll take my EOS 6D and say, hey, modify this for Mm -hmm. me, and I'll keep using my 5D Mark IV. So let's go go ahead, Royce. What's some filters? I mean, look at the... Well, there's about seven variations here that you can do with the full spectrum. Wow. Whereas with the H alpha, you only have one thing you can do, oh, which is very cool, by the way. But uh, uh, with the full spectrum, you've got a, a whole bunch of cool things that you can do. So we've had two questions that are roughly the same about cameras that you use. Um, you're, you, you answered earlier that you don't use the A7R3. You haven't had a chance to use that for Astro. Yeah, I have the uh, A7R2. You use the A7R2. What cameras do you use for Astro? They're curious about your bodies. Yeah, I use the that Sony that you just described. I use the old uh, 5D Mark III. I haven't gone to the Mark IV. Ah, yeah. And and I use yes. that Astro I mean, modified <laughs> H Alpha 6D. 6D. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. The 60, you know, the you got the new Mark II out, but you can buy old 60 bodies for under a thousand dollars, and then spend another three hundred dollars to get a Astro modified. Hmm. Three hundred, three hundred and fifty. I mean, you can pick up a 6D, which was. One of the best bodies out there, one of the best sensors that uh, Canon has ever made uh, for the money. And you can pick one up for about 800 bucks. Add another 300 350 for Astro modification. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So then that answers those questions. And here is Alicia. Uh, Alicia says, I hope it's saying it right. It's might be, I bet it's Alicia, Alicia Mandy. When you don't have the opportunity to get out to a class one sky, you know, like a really fantastic right. dark sky site, let's say when you have a, what you have is available is more around class five. What are your tips for capturing the most detail, especially color without too much noise? Well, just, you know, just try to do the best you can. You're going to have to process your images a little more aggressively in the contrast in order to pick the, up that detail. But if you will shoot away from the city lights as much as possible, uh, if you're if you're shooting uh, away from the city lights and going towards a r- more rural area, that'll help a lot. So Absolutely. that's the best I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> there are filters out there that will help you uh, eliminate some of that haze, but um, uh, you can do most of that with post-processing. 
Yeah, and the dehaze slider is really great if you don't go too far and get all crunchy with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just what he was saying, and to add on to it, is just making sure that you are on the outside of it looking away from all the worst light pollution. It doesn't matter if you're in a class 5 area. It just matters what you're looking at between you and the Milky Way. And if between you is just 3s and 4s and all a lot of lights, just get as much of the local lights out of the chance of blowing up your frame. You want to make sure you got it off in the distance from you. Just position yourself around the lights so you, know, you don't have of, those blooms. One of my favorite uh, Milky Way over a barn picture was shot in a class, a Bertle class five. Ooh, really? But I was looking into a class three. Mm. And uh, yeah, so yeah. the Milky Way was in looking out into a class three, even though the barn was in a class five. So, which actually helped light up the barn. I didn't have to use any low-level lighting <laughs> right. because the, the light pollution yeah. Yeah. was lighting it up enough. Is Perfect. that one of your shots that you use in that presentation? Because I remember you yeah, showing yeah, that Yeah, yeah, in the very the beginning sky. of the presentation. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. While well, you answer this next question, I'm going to pull it up and show people because I remember that shot. So then the next question comes from, ah, da, 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 did I get that one? I did. Um, Kathy says, so you'd recommend getting the Sigma 18 to 35? I have 47 minutes to make up my mind. Ooh, <laughs> she asked this question how long ago? <laughs> so Kathy is deciding, would you recommend the Sigma 1835 now? She's yes. buying. Yeah. Yes, go buy it if you still have time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a special deal with a counter. Is that what's going on? <laughs> I'm not sure. Rhonda says about the whole trip in Alaska, she'll be there in August towards the beginning of September. So mm -hmm. it sounds oh, like she's going to have time. an hour or more of dark skies. Yeah. So blah, 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 blah. Steve Richards recommends it. Kathy, you probably have been talking to him. Going down the list, going down the list. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Nicole's like, do you need more gear, Kathy? Remember <laughs> at the workshop, she was carrying two bags already. She had her Star oh Adventure Skywatcher. Yeah. She had everything. Oh, man. It was, she has lots of gear, but Kathy's not going to mess around. It's, you know, it's tough when you get two miles away from your car and you realize you don't have everything you need. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Why would you go to someplace like Utah once a year and not take everything? Yeah. You're going right. to take everything. Why not? It's nuts to not. Well, a lot of my friends will fly into an area, and so they have to limit what they bring. And so I fill in a lot of the equipment. Mm -hmm. You know, when we went to the Palouse, I, I had a, a 70 to 200 and a 100 to 400 zoom lens mm -hmm. that I allowed other people to use because they couldn't put it on their air airline right. luggage. Right. <laughs> They'd Spooky reach their band. weight limit. They, <laughs> Kathy, did, they did want to wear clothes, you know. They didn't want to wear the same you, change of clothes well, for I the don't whole know. five days. I don't mind wearing the same change of clothes for the whole five days it's as long as I have my camera gear. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have five or four pairs of underwear that I will bring with me. <laughs> Kathy says you can never have enough gear, and she did just pull the trigger on it and bought it. It was on sale until 11 p.m. So. Whoa, nice. way to go, it. Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Ding. Awesome. So Kirk says you don't need low-level lighting for Mount Hood as all Portland lights it up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everything is lit up by it's Portland. So, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so with this lull in a question right now, I want to talk about something that you brought up, Royce, the Mars situation, Ooh. opposition. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it real quickly, the scientific side, because I love nerding out about this kind of stuff. But then Royce is going to talk about it. I'm going to get you guys a picture. Now, this is a picture that you took, Royce, or is this something you found? No, that's something that I took just last week uh, on uh, Friday. So that was Friday so this night is your at 11 o'clock. Right the Mars is just uh, wow, come above so the tree line. 
And uh, that was shot with uh, the that new 85mm Rokinon. Mm, cool. And, and I've cropped in a, just a little bit. I'm using Those six clouds seconds. clouds look like aurora. What's happening? Well, oh. we've, we've got some high, thin clouds, but you can see that Mars is still cutting through those. Enlarge that up even a little bit more if you want. I went six seconds. Uh, I, four seconds would have completely stopped. The stars are slightly elliptical four mm. set at six seconds. Yeah. At four seconds, it would have been perfectly round. But, you know, I could have shot. I'm using an ISO, ISO of 12,800. Now, why did I go that high? Well, that's because I wanted to stop down to F2. I could have mm. shot this at... At f1.4, but I wanted to stop down one stop. So the diaphragm blades were cutting into the glass, causing a little tiny bit of a reflection, ref, diffraction, mm -hmm. and giving me eight-point star. Right. You'll blow that up. Right, You Which can awesome. see that that has some nice diffraction on there. Come and, on, let me uh, zoom in more. It won't let me zoom yeah. in more. Which so you wouldn't if, get otherwise. Yeah, right? if I had shot it wide open... I could have gone 6,400 ISO, uh, but I went to 12,800 so that I could stop down one more stop and get a little diffraction, some star points, you know, <laughs> yeah. on the aperture blades, on the diaphragm blades. And uh, it, to me, the one that I shot at, at f1.4, there's no diffraction and so no star points. And right. uh, so, you know. <laughs> so yeah. right now it's the opportunity guys for you to capture mars the brightest it's been in a few years because of the opposition this year since is the even brightest greater in 15 years since 2003 it's it's because of where oh. it is on the phase like the phase plane because as so not only is it just closer oh, yeah. to the earth but it's in opposition to the sun yeah so you get that brightness so if you imagine this plane right here that I'm holding, this flat piece, and Earth is in the middle, Mars is here, and the sun is on the closest to you guys. And so the sun is hitting the, making a full moon, a full face of Mars being lit up. But it's also not just being lit up very timely, but it's closer to the Earth. And yeah. so it's causing it to be even brighter than it's been the last you know, I guess seven or so oppositions that have happened or something. Yeah. I can't remember how many oppositions happened in a year or two time, but uh, it's just it, the brightest Mars has been in a couple of years ago. You guys might remember it was crazy bright and it's brighter than yeah, it was two years then. ago. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in uh, 2016, around May, it was close and, and bright because of the opposition, mm -hmm. but it's, it's even bigger now than it was <laughs> in May, 2016. Wow. So it's really cool. It's rising about two hours after sunset, and uh, so which is way cool because if you're shooting some reflections on the water, you can get some very oh, yeah. cool reflections just as it's rising, and uh, and also because it's cutting through more atmosphere, and it's bright enough to cut through that atmosphere, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. It, it'll make it even more orange-red than it already is. So I was just going to pull up my shot out in Crater Lake, but it looks like the one of those nights I didn't share it where it showed it well, but you can see it in Silver Lake. You can see how it just rises yeah, over the yeah. mountain, yeah. and it is really bright. It's all crazy compressed right here in the zoom in but man mars is featured strong mm. and that's before it became its brightest this is back in june yeah right and june it was just starting to do what it's doing now 
And so you're going to have this very cool until the end of July. It'll start waning through the month of August. You'll still be able to get some good shots in August. Too. Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah. But after August, it's pretty much over. Hmm. So you guys enjoy the opposition of Mars right now. Don't miss out the opportunity of that. I and mean, then when something like this happens in the sky once every 15 or so years, uh, just capture it. Enjoy it. Right now, yeah. Yeah. this is nothing to do that you can capture because it's Pluto. But Pluto is in a plane. So imagine that plane I was showing you here. It has a tilted elliptical orbit where Pluto is like this around Earth. And the oppositions that happen happen every 181 years oh. and like 63 years. It happens to go on these like point these node points that are um, perfectly lining up with earth sun and everything and what happens is pluto is down below us or above us typically on opposition but in this case it's right lined up so if you were on pluto looking back at the sun the earth is actually going to transit the sun because we're oh so lined goodness. up right now yeah. and this is happening once again and it's happening this year and so astronomers are lining up all these telescopes and they're ready to see how pluto looks at opposition because it's an atmosphere low atmosphere planet that actually oh dwarf planet sorry that it'll actually show up brighter and more detailed than it has oh. before and they can't wait to see what they can learn from that because of the phasing and everything i'm really nerding out about it but it's awesome it's totally stoked <laughs> i'm totally stoked to hear about it maybe there's a nerd out there who wants to write about it go to earthsky.org and you can read everything that i was reading about it recently wow, uh, cool. it's really cool stuff in the timing and just you know it's very rare so it's like it's a chance now to find pluto in the sky because you're going to see it brightly next to other dim stars and you'll have to find it easier than you could at other times mm. yeah you have to be a, a nerdy telescope photographer <laughs> yeah. to do this for for those of us who have just <laughs> cameras with lenses and doing astral landscape photography uh stick with mars <laughs> Kirk Kai says it's still a planet. I, I'm on the side of Neil deGrasse Tyson, Kirk here, where I like that he's a dwarf planet because Ceres is still a dwarf planet. When they accept Ceres as the planet, then okay, I'm all right with uh, Pluto being a planet. So uh, any other questions that have come through? Uh, da, 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 da. No, man, this has been an hour and 25 minutes already. We oh, haven't holy. gone into segment three. We've just blown right through having a blast talking about all of these things. Yeah. So we have a few more questions or comments that have coming up. Neil Zingle says, guys, have you tried traveling south like Central or South America to shoot the Milky Way through October? Well, you know what, Neil? We're just waiting for you to fly out there with us because we, we have been dying to, to go really to, yeah. below the equator or at the equator. Oh, we can't wait to do that someday. And you yeah. know, everywhere in the world, you can't see the Milky Way in December. But everywhere in the world, there's a night, an hour, a 20-minute period where the Milky Way core is above your horizon from uh, January through November. So you go yeah. south, you're not really getting more Milky Way except you're getting more winter nights that are longer to have the Milky Way up, where here we're only getting summer nights that are shorter. Right. Yeah. The thing I like about the southern hemisphere, places in the summer, uh, southern hemisphere, is that the core of the Milky Way rises much higher above the horizon in some right. places like New Zealand and Australia. Oh, and, yeah. so cool. you know, to have the core of the Milky Way straight up above the zenith, <sighs> yeah. wouldn't that be cool? But, of course, that makes it a little bit more difficult to get foreground objects aligned with sure, it. So it's a sure. straight up. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I've got an awesome re reaction to someone buying your book just now. I dang it, Royce! I bought your book just now. Quick question: Is it true lower megapixels cameras are better than higher megapixel cameras for night photography? Yes and no. Um, so for nope, instance, yes. yeah. <laughs> for instance, the um, 
the um, a A7S, you know, the original and the and the two and the three, they're all twelve mega, megapixel cameras. I'm talking about the Sony A7S. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Which a lot of people use for video, for low light video, because it's only twelve megapixels. But that those twelve megapixels are so clean. <laughs> Interesting. So and the old uh, Nikon, what is it, D3S was only twelve megapixels too. I think it was using a Sony sensor, don't you? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, you know, those are amazing cameras. But you're limited to only 12 megapixels. But those pixels are so clean. Mm, so you, you've got big pixels, you know, that are huge. Um, and so they're very clean. But Sony has come... When they started coming out with the uh, A7R2 and the A7R3, you know, you're over 40 megapixels. And yes, the pixels are smaller, but the resolution is compensating for it quite a bit. Hmm. And uh, so it's a yes and no thing. Gotcha. Because yeah. it comes down to your own personal preference when it comes to noise. Yeah. Right. But there is. Let me tell you, there is nothing finer than that A7S, A7S series, either the original or the two or really? the three. As far as and you can, and I tell you what's cool about that camera is that you can actually focus, do live focus with that baby. You jack it up to four hundred. Was it two hundred, four hundred thousand? ISO, and you can actually focus with that baby. Oh, yeah. Focusing on your stars. Not the moon, but focusing on the stars. You can focus on the foreground. Auto-focus will run. (sighs) Wow. I mean, you can manually focus that thing. You can really see what's going on. It is. I mean, that sensor is so cool. But the the guys that are... uh, It brought the level up about 10 notches for low-level photography back in about i think it was 1976 they did a movie uh where they bought a special f1 f 0.9 lens there were only three made by nasa that were allowed to be used in the commercial uh one of the directors bought one of those and i think it was about 1976 shot uh a uh, 18th century period Film. This is back in the days of film. Mm. ISO only 100, and they're filming by candlelight. You know, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that they used they set up lights to shine where the candles would be, or the kerosene lanterns, or the oil lanterns, to make it look like they were casting the light. Right. But oh. you, but you had to supplement. This film was actually shot with candlelight. And but it was using a special 0.9 f <laughs> lens. <laughs> wow. But with this Sony camera, you know the uh, A7S, you can some of the sh- the films that are being done today in low light. I mean, you can shoot. Uh, there are people are shooting the Northern Lights and seeing the foreground. Of what they're shooting, because oh, the northern this lights is real. And the I mean, this is movie. 
Yeah, this Whoa. is not time exposure. This is yeah. real-time video with the northern lights, and you can see the foreground. <laughs> well, wow. Aventador, I bet you are stoked that you bought his book because you were correct for buying it, and you threw Royce into a long tangent of love for the <laughs> A7S. A7S, right? Or yeah. A, yeah, A7S. A, A7S, because mm. now I had no idea that that could be that beautiful. i got to try it out and find out what you're talking about. I have no idea. All yeah. I'm doing is just hearing love and wanting to experience it myself. Yeah, <laughs> That sounds yeah. awesome. It's an amazing camera, and, of course, the two, the two and the three are the way to go. Hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for that question. Hey, Eric Benedetti joined us. That's fantastic. He's got great advice on here, guys. If you have any time, ask him questions. Bug Eric. <laughs> He's got awesome <laughs> sick processing sick of it. He's buying the A7S now. Oh, you just sold the A7S <laughs> to Aventador. Aventador, awesome. He is. He's so grateful. Sweet. And then oh, I got a comment. Amazon link. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go to photogadventures.com and click on the link to go to Amazon through us. So here's a suggestion from Neil, Neil Zingle that would be awesome if you weren't retiring from this. But Neil says, Photog Adventures Winter Workshop with Royce in South America. Who's up for it? <laughs> Hey, that would be lovely, Ooh. but uh, I think I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to get a flat tire with Photog Adventures, guys. He's never risked going anywhere with us. <laughs> He's just arrived there on his own. <laughs> <laughs> so then, any other questions hiding up here? Don't forget, the mo oh, the movie is Stanley Kubrick's film, Barry Lyndon. That's right. That is oh, the one. Kurt nice. Kies would know that. Yeah, he knows it. <laughs> <laughs> Lover of film, and he knows yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Barry Lynn, I'll have to check that out, guys. I yeah. gotta see that. That one. is an amazing movie for any of you movie buffs. <laughs> Neil mm. points out, don't forget that the Nikon D850 is using the same sensor as the A7. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. No more questions in here. We're moving along. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for following us on the Photog Adventure Podcast. We're going to end it now with Royce's advice for dealing with stacking, tracking, working with stars. They're going through the trees. So explain the concept yeah, yeah. again and then give us your tip. Okay. Uh, what happens when you're uh, shooting, uh, stacking a bunch of exposures through the trees? Uh, Starry Landscape Stacker, and uh, I haven't experienced this with Sequator, but it's probably the same problem. It has a rough time finding the, uh, the foreground and uh, making a mask because remember it has to align the moving stars to line them one on top of each other and making a mask for the foreground which is stationary mm -hmm. and so it tries to find out where the foreground is and you can help it by placing star points around the trees but even then you've got stars coming through the trees you've got stars coming through the branches and it has a difficult time. So what ends up happening is those stars that are near the branches, let's say you have a seven, seven exposure stack, you'll have stars right near the trees or coming through the branches that instead of stacking properly into one star point, they have a little stutter. Duh, 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 duh. It looks ah. like somebody cloned the stars. And then <laughs> right. the branches will get mushy and blurred and smudged. Because they right. include each one. They're not sure that they're yeah, the same they're one. Yeah, they're not sure that they're the same one. Mm. So it's having a difficult time. So here's my solution for that that I've been doing, and I find it works quite well. And that is... Find now a starry landscape stacker usually picks the first exposure 
to uh, do the alignment. Okay. But but find out which one it is, which one is the alignment star, and then pick that one image and process it separately, and then use it as your background or base. Put the stack composite on top of it as a layer, Change the opacity to 50% so you can manually align uh, the Starry Landscape mm. Stacker image on top of the one that you've just processed all by itself. Okay, and that, of course, that pro single exposure that aligns well with it is going to have much more noise in it. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you know the brush tool, the um, Revert brush tool, the one that has the brush with the little arrow going over the top. I actually yeah, haven't used like that. History brush. Yeah, it's a history brush. Yeah. It's okay. called the history brush. So this is what's cool. You align that stacked image on top of one of your base images that has much more noise. You do the 50% opacity so that you can get it aligned. Once you get it aligned, go to 100% so you have full, the full beauty of the composite stacked image on top. And then right around the tree, take a soft brush, that, and the soft brush size, with your history brush and just paint the trees mm. and right around the trees so that it... The uh, base exposure, which is more noisy, comes through the composite. Uh -huh. Now you're going to have a little bit more, no well, quite a bit more noise there at the tree branches and some of the sky. And make sure you use a soft edge brush, not a hard edge, so that you don't see the noise quite as much. But that noisier image with the very sharp stars will come through the composite stacked image just where the trees are and the stars are. And you'll have a little bit noise, more noise right around that area. But you don't seem to notice it because the tree detail, the branches, kind of kind of hide that. Oh, right on. Interesting. That's right? a great tip. And I'm sitting here glossing over thinking, okay, I got the tip down. 48%. I'm going to re-listen to this yeah. and get the yeah. rest of the tip in there correctly while I'm actually playing with it. So look for the show notes to remind you about this minute of where it is in the show notes in the podcast. I'll help you guys find this so you guys can revert, re, 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 revert, revert, re, uh, yeah, refer, 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 refer back to this podcast and you guys can follow it and listen to Royce's advice there because I think that was gold. And you've also got Eric Benedetti saying some things. Uh, da, 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 going to hit the hay soon. You guys doing a Uintas meetup this year. They're curious doing a Uintas meetup this year. We have gone out to Mirror Lake every July. Um, mm. Have you guys had something planned? Uh, I'm I'm heading down to Bryce with my family right now, so it's a it's a grandkid trip. So. Oh, gotcha. So Sebastian Parison says, hope you guys are showing a replay. Parison says, we'll do a replay. Yeah, this video will be on our Facebook page. You guys can watch it anytime you want. And you can listen to the podcast as well on the podcast. So thank you, Royce. Thank you for joining yeah, us. I, I want to ask more, and I've done this every time, but it's an hour and 42 minutes in. We should probably be done. Yeah. 
We should probably yeah. call it. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to do some editing to shorten it a little bit. This is easy, the easy. fun of hanging out with Royce Bear, a bunch of nerds for loving Milky Photography. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. All of you who joined us late, this video will be up, and we're hoping to do a listener adventure. Maybe, maybe Mirror Lake. We've had a tougher time getting Mirror Lake clouds to cooperate on listener adventures, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know if I want to risk it again. Last time it was stressful choosing Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Okay, we're going with Saturday, and then Friday was the better night, and Saturday was terrible yeah mm. so uh that's tough yeah. last the, yeah. the uh uintas can be a dicey yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but if eric wants to get out there with us that would be fantastic da tate says awesome broadcast guys thank you so much thank you thank you guys for being a part of it and being part of most of it if not all of it for those of you with us we're excited to do this we're going to do another one with just brendan and i and you guys coming up soon we'll put it out in the schedule because we're going to enjoy doing these discussions and doing a lot royce thanks for joining us glad to be here hope you guys have a good week and get out there and capture the milky way see you later